a listener production. Hi, and welcome to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vuchtel, and the host of this guide to Melbourne. Today, we are chatting with Gary McBean. He's one of the city's most trusted meat merchants. And by that, I mean he is the butcher of choice for some of the city's best restaurants and chefs. So Ben Shuri and his fine diner, Attica, are one of his long-term clients. Gary's got a new butcher at Paran Market, and it's pretty remarkable. Gary, you've been in the butcher business longer than most. I mean, multiple generations. Yeah. In 2023, what's your best-selling item? That's what we call a marbled score, four and five um, sirloin, scotch fillets, and ribeye on the bone. And an extension of that is dry-aged steaks. And for people who don't know, how high does a marble score go? If you see a piece of Wagyu in a butcher shop where it's really highly, lots of intermuscular fat, mm. and it can go up to like a marble score nine, or you can start at a marble score two. So it's how much intermuscular fat is in the muscle of the meat. So the more more grating it is, the fattier it is, a little bit more flavour it is but sometimes it's too rich for people. So we found that. I've had a nine before. It's pretty intense. It is. It is intense, yeah. Yeah. Now these items, these Marble Score 4 steaks, is this the kind of thing that's been popular for a long time? We'll go back to the 80s, which is when you started working, I guess, in the business. Things have changed, I assume. I'm, I'm assuming that the kind of meat that flies out the door now was not what was flying out the door when you first came up. When I first started as an apprentice all those years ago, we did sell meat with a fair bit of fat and marbling through it. It just naturally happened because farmers sort of grew cattle differently then. Mm. It's, it was always in a paddock, but these days it's in a paddock for six month, uh, 12 months, and then fed lots. So it's like still, it's only young yearling. It's either 12 months old or 18 months old. So, But the old, old days when I first started, the cattle was always much older. It was never sent to market at 12 months old. Or eighteen months old, and that's what happens now. So now it's it's a it's a turnover for the industry for farmers to get the cattle, fatten them up as quick as possible, send them to the abattoirs, start the next lot. Right. Whereas if you hang on to a paddock of cattle that's three years old, well, it's going to be much more expensive for you and and for the farmer. Right. To make money, so so you got to find the right farmer that's prepared to. And there are farmers doing it. Oh yeah, yeah. And is that because there's demand now from a an Australian population who is looking for that quality of meat. Definitely. Definitely a huge market for um, for 100% grass-fed beef, which is older cattle. Okay. And you describe that as ox beef, which is yeah. which is like, I guess it's it's all beef, but it's it's got a different terminology. It's a different terminology. So you, you have the yearling cattle, which is 12 months to 18 months old, and then when it, when it reaches two, two and a half years old, then they, they call it ox cattle. And it can, that can go to three and four years old. As well. But is that what you would prefer to eat? You no, know? no, two and, a half, three, two and a half, three years old. So, yes. And in the supermarkets, what are you getting probably? Oh, yearling. Yearling, yearling beef was still still 80s style where it's um, <clears throat> when we went through the half foundation days where everything had to be lean, lean, lean. Mm. So um, I find supermarkets still run with that because it's the cheapest option. Right. Even in a uh, cost of living crisis, are people still coming to you for those meats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, if anything, we're, st- we're still uh, the business is still growing. Yes, um, a, lot, a lot of my customers will go out somewhere for a steak, and running restaurants is an expensive business to run. Um, so they don't always source that type of 
stake or animal so that, you know, there's a price point where they've got to hit to make money. Yes. Uh, so They can get it from but, you for a lesser price than they can get it in the restaurant. Yeah. Now, you supply some of the best restaurants in the city and have for a long time. Yeah. Venturi at Attica is one of your long-term clients, but also you can get your beautiful meats at Hector's Deli and their sandwiches. Yes. So how much of your business is supplying to, out to those restaurants versus the people like myself who come and visit you at Prime Market? Uh, probably it would be 20% of the sales. We, we predominantly just concentrate on um, retail business and customer service customers, all the hotels and restaurants that we serve, or little cafes, I should say. Mm. Um, we don't source them. They just they just source us and we, we sort okay, of. Okay. They just, do they, they come to the market too? Or uh, they come to the market as yeah. well. And if they're after something special, like some dry aged meat or some marble school meats or ethically sourced grass fed meat, lambs, uh, all our pork is free range, mm. certified free range. So it's all a bit more pricey, but if if some cafes want to put on their menu, you know, 100% grass-fed this or, mm. or free-range pork, um, yeah, we, we have that article. Tell us about this new space because you've been, you've got a long history at Paran Market. I've been going there for a long time and I'm at an age where I only know the place you were in recently, which was kind of you walk in through that meat section, it was the first store, and it was it was big, but it is not like the space you've just moved into. So describe describe the move and why it was important. We sort of outgrew the space where we were previously only like a couple of months ago. Um, business just kept growing and growing and growing. Mm. So we sort of, for quite some time, five or six years, we've outgrown the space and we've sort of tried to work out what can we what are we going to do about it? So a space become available at the other end of the market, which is three times the size of our old shop. And we always we always wanted to push the boundaries. We wanted to put in the kitchen, have prepared meals, take home meals, as lasagnas and shepherd's pies and pies. And then I also wanted to do a, a sandwich. I always wanted to do a steak sandwich, mm. which we haven't perfected just yet. So <laughs> we've got um, porchetta rolls and everything. Talk through the porchetta roll and what's in that and perfecting that. Uh, we use a Baker Blue um, ciabatta roll and then we baste the um, either side with burnt butter. All the porchettas are cooked on a rotisserie on a low, slow heat. And then we just bump the temperature up until it, the crackling gets nice and crunchy. Then we slide it off and I hand, hand carve all the porchettas and then that gets put onto the roll and then a big spoonful of salsa verde, then some uh, big old fennel on top of that. The fennel's good. The fennel is a great addition. Yeah. I'm going to be going back for that porchetta roll probably every weekend. But now there's a steak that might be in my future as well. We're still developing that. Um, That will be after Christmas sometime. Okay. So all of a sudden all these Christmas orders are just starting to pour in. Part of the new shop is we put a big smoke out oven in so we can freshly smoke hams for Christmas virtually just the day or two before pickup. It's a beautiful space. Let's talk a little bit about that design because it is pretty luxurious. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful design. Um, so the design's through Wendy Bergman, Bergman & Co. After the first conversation, I thought, you know, I think I think we've got um, – Got a great designer here. Yeah. So we went in, had a, Ash and I, my daughter, went in, had a meeting with Wendy and it was, she was all over. There's a marble insert floor, some marble benches, beautiful dark olive green mm. sort of tiles on the wall. There's a huge um, 
sausage light in the middle of the entry space where you walk in. Yeah. It's, we've separated the, the deli section and the meat section. So the, the, the meat section is obviously all fresh meat. The deli section is cooked meats, hams. Is that range bigger now than it was? Much bigger. Yeah. We hardly had any space at all to display all the And that's um, now an goods. enormous part of the business. I mean, when again, yeah. when you go in just physically, it's it's you're kind of you're walking around, it's almost a U shape of meats trying yes. to Yeah. Yeah. So um that's really worked really well. So it's 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 sort of spacious and it flows. So it's it's not cramped or tight. It's, yeah, it's it does but, feel like an occasion to shop there now. And I think that one of the best things about shopping at a market is that occasion and, and Melbourne's so good at the markets. Yeah. But now going to your butcher feels like an occasion in itself. You know, go and get your fresh meats. Yeah. But then make sure you're also there at 10 30 a.m. for those beautiful those rolls. those rolls. For those who don't know, can you just also talk about the fact that Ash, your daughter, is part of the business? Now, you talk about it's a fifth-generation butcher business. Are you yeah. the fifth? Is she the sixth? Or is she the fifth, fifth and you're the fourth? She's okay. fifth, fourth. Oh, wow. Okay, so your your father was a butcher. You apprenticed with him. Yeah. Your grandfather was a butcher in another person's business. Yes, yeah. And then? He's, he was a butcher, abattoir worker, okay. shops. He was he was in the meat industry. Right. And then the next generation even before that? Before that was in the meat game as well as same thing, abattoirs. And you did your apprenticeship with your father in... Richmond, is, have I got that correct? In, yeah, Bridge Road, Richmond. Yeah, I was. Um, well, I started in the prime market as a cleanup boy when I was. My father used to take me there when I was eight, nine years old, as a cleanup boy. So I worked there for about five years until I w- went to school, and then or I had to wait till I was fifteen. Yeah, and started an apprenticeship in Bridge Road, Richmond, and then probably five or six years later, my father brought a shop. Back in the market. In the same place that the new space is? Is that right? Exactly the same spot. He was, he was, I come and work for him there where the butcher shop is now. And where the deli section is, is when I, when I came back to the market, probably 86, the butcher I knew on the end approached me and said, would you like to buy my shop? And I jumped on it. So... Wait, does that mean there were two McBean butchers in yes. the in the market at well, one point? Were you competing with your father? Yes, <laughs> on a friendly terms. But he, so he was Ken McBean's mates. So I just thought, oh, I'll be Gary's mates. You'll be Gary's. <laughs> yeah. Now you were doing dry aging before a lot of other people. It's yes. now and it's yeah. now become pretty. I wouldn't say common, but it's certainly like one of the. It's a moment in you know in in meat and and yeah. food people are. You'll see dry aged everywhere, but you were one of the first to do it. Probably 10 or 12 years ago, I remember dry aging as a as a, an apprentice back in Richmond. We used to have, but it was always in the fridge. That was quite popular back then. Oh, I want to, can you hang that piece of meat away for me? I'll be back in three weeks or I'll be back. Always, oh, I love that. Always. And I thought, oh, I really wanted to do something different. And I thought, oh, I've got to, got to try and, um, how can I, I can't have it in the fridge. Nobody knows about it. So we built this huge cabinet under glass and then had all the dry aged meats on display. Mm. And then people used to, customers would come and go, wow, what's that? What's that? What's that? And just, it just grew and grew and grew. And yeah, it's, it's, it's probably one of the best selling uh, articles in the shop as far as dry aging, because we dry aged lots of different cuts. So in total, it's like it's ribeyes, scotch fillets, it can be rumps. And what does a dry age ribeye taste like versus non dry age? You know, what is the difference you're going to get in flavour? Uh, okay, so 
you, you just can't put any piece of meat in. It's 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 got to be sauce where it's got a good layer of fat and marbling and on the bone mm. where it can withstand it. So we dry it out for six weeks, which in the right conditions with the humidity around about 80% and the temperature's got to be pretty close to one, one and a half Celsius, and it slowly takes moisture out of the meat. So if you take too much moisture out of the meat, which is not enough humidity in the in the air, it just dries up and, and you won't get a good article. Mm. So you need the right amount of humidity so it takes that moisture out and which enhances the flavor. It's a bit like grapes and sultanas or that balance where it's really tasty, but in the process it breaks down and becomes really tender. So you get a tender piece of meat and a flavoursome piece of meat. What does one of the city's best butchers always have in his fridge? Always scotch fillet and some eye fillet. Because eye fillet's forgiving. You can do anything with eye fillet. It's always tender. Like if you need to do a little quick uh, stroganoff or a stir fry, where you've got lots of other flavours coming into it, you, and you're just after a nice tender piece of meat. Um, I've always got like a couple of cryback pieces of So if we went back to your house now, there'd always be... And I fill it in I there. I fill it, scotch fill it, and there is actually always mints. <laughs> always mints. You can do so much with mints. I know. I've got yeah. bags of it in my freezer as well. Just what kind? Beef or uh, Well, I've always got beef mints. Yeah. Whether it's for burgers or, like like I said, like a, a, a bolognese or um, yeah. it's just a beef mint you can do anything with. Well, it's worth checking out Gary's new and improved, very beautiful butcher, and you'll see him there. You'll see Ash there. It really is a family business and a pretty special one. It's at Paran Market, stall 501, 163 Commercial Road in South Yarra, open Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday, 7 a.m. until 5 p.m., and then Sunday, 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. Thanks, Gary. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends and leave us a review. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening now. You can find new episodes in your feed every Monday, Wednesday and Friday morning. Listener.